Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 119, When Every OS is Free. Recorded November 3rd, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. This week we're going to uh, take, have a little thought experiment about uh, what does the, the software landscape look like, particularly for Linux, when price is no longer an issue. And here to help me do that are my, my um, brilliant and talented and, and beautiful, dare I say it, sexy co-hosts, uh, beginning with uh, Mr. Chris Neves, the command line godfather. Hi, Chris. Hey, everybody. How's it going tonight? Are we having a good one or not? Uh, so far, so good. And, uh, and alongside him, as always, is the inimitable Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hey, Seth. Hello, Mark, and welcome, Element Opiites. Uh, we're, That's it tonight. Sorry. <laughs> for our first show of November, fall is upon us. Uh, and as we talked about last week, one of the first fall holiday has come and gone, that being Halloween. Uh, I uh, didn't didn't do the uh, pumpkin carving like carving like I, I said I was going to. Things just got too busy, so we ended up just sticking naked pumpkins out on the front porch. It's, but see, that's good because they can they can last longer. They can be fall decorations. They can go all the way through Thanksgiving now as part of the cornucopia of the, the bountiful fall harvest. Uh, but Chris, I did see your pictures of your jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. Man, those were awesome. I love the Hulk one the best, I think. The Hulk one was the hardest. And actually, that one um, took a tumble before the picture. I had just finished carving it. It took me about four hours to do the carve. And so I, I carved it all up, and one of the things I always do with all the pumpkins is after they're carved is I rinse them off. Well, that particular pumpkin was so big it had to be washed out in the bathtub because it was huge. And the picture didn't do it justice. It was probably a large beach ball size. Okay. It was monstrous. Um, so I, I washed it up and got it all cleaned out and was hauling it out of the bathroom, and as I walked to where I was getting to take its picture, it slipped out of my hands, slammed on my foot, and then, of course, some beautiful, colorful language came out. And my wife goes, you go sit down, see if you broke a toe, and I'll see if I can toothpick the Hulk back together. Oh, so he was, a great job. Hulk was smashed? Hulk smashed! Yeah. He, he, he was in pieces, in large chunks and pieces, but my wife is a, a is a kind of a puzzle nut, so she put the she put the Hulk back together and at least long enough to take pictures of him. Um, he lasted about four more days before he the toothpicks couldn't hold him in anymore. But I at least got my pictures of the Hulk with the great <laughs> with the. What did you guys think of the green? The the green that was good. Was that a glow? was that a glow stick? Is that how you did that, or do you have yep. a gel inside it? No, it was just a glow stick, just a simple pumpkin. Yeah, I thought it was the coolest. We uh, we were talking about what we're going to carve because we had the pumpkins for a couple of weeks before we carved them. And we had a bunch of friends over and they saw the this giant green pumpkin. They go, what are you going to carve that one? Are you going to do like the Hulk or something? And I was like, you know, that actually works pretty darn good. I like it. <laughs> so I, I had my choice at the, the site I talked about last week about um, where I went. They have two different Hulks there. They have the classic Hulk and then they have... The Marvel Hulk, and I did the Marvel one. It was good. Aren't all the Hulks Marvel Hulks? I mean, he's a Marvel well, character. The, the the classic one was like the 70s Hulk yeah. look. 
So he was more uh, less angry, more large, I yes. guess. I, I'm not how to should I explain it, but they they were distinctively different. So, uh, but I picked the one that was a little more iconic. The Hulk has been one of my favorites for a long time. I'm I'm somehow drawn to the uh, brutish characters in life. The Frankenstein's monster. When I was when I was a kid, I was obsessed with him. The Hulk, um, and it's been interesting to see him evolve over time. Like the uh, in the 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 movie that preceded um, the Avengers movie uh, that had Edward Norton in it, um, he was. His motions and his movements were like a like a football player, like a linebacker or or maybe a wrestler. Uh, but in the Avengers movie, he was very ape like. His movements were very yep. monkey like. And then and uh, in the Ang Lee terrible terrible version, uh, his movements. Ugh. Yeah. Why would you bring that up? We were off to such a good show start, and you had to go mention that movie. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm done. Well, what what struck me about that one is Ang Lee did the. Uh, the motions for that they did the motion captured him um and angley is a small asian man and his movements are that of a small asian man and then when you try to scale that up it just doesn't work like there some of the movements were uh, like i remember one in particular where his elbows were were in at his his uh, uh sides and his arms were out and he was he was you know uh, pu- pumping his biceps and a large, I mean, and I, I am one, I know, a large bulky man can't do that motion. It's, you can't get your elbows in like that. And, you know, a, a, a big football player or a, 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 a you know, a, one of my friends um, likes to make fun of the uh, 90 degree handshake that bodybuilders have to do. The elbows out at 90 degrees and the arm just kind of comes up. Hi, how you doing? And then it goes right back down uh, because they've yeah. got so much bulk there. But Ang Lee isn't he's a small sinewy guy so the motions the whole time i was watching that movie i mean it had many many flaws don't get me wrong but the thing that bothered me the most about it was that the motions weren't right um and then i i really that that's what what bothered me the most about that movie was the fact that apparently to stop the hulk all you have to do is drop him in a vat of a silica pellets to take (laughs) out all the water that's what bothered me the most but uh, there were many, like I said, many, many flaws. Uh, but the thing that bothered my vision, I'm attuned to that when I'm watching CGI. Like uh, the uh, the the Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, particularly the very yeah. first one, all of his movements were too fast. Too fast to look real. If they had just slowed them down a little bit, the CGI stuff, it would have looked, looked better. And and the, uh, the Star Wars prequels, if we're talking about movies that should never be mentioned, the Star Wars prequels, um, the Yoda scenes where he's found a, a fighting Dooku, and that whole thing is CGI, the, all the environment, everything. Um, the motions, the physics just aren't right. And they've gotten a lot better about that. That was nearly 20 years ago now. They've gotten a lot better about that over time. But still, I notice these things that just aren't right, and, and it bugs mm-hmm. me. Um, uh, but in the, the Avengers Hulk... Um, there were still some of that his his interaction particularly with the buildings and the rubble like um like when he's running through the uh the helicarrier and just shattering steel like he he's got to recoil something there physics says that he can't be completely unaffected by that uh but yeah. he was he was completely unaffected it was like he was running through you know sugar crystals Paper. or something yeah um, and so but the the there were much fewer of those sort of things that bothered me and so they've gotten better about it maybe eventually there'll be a hulk movie that i'll appreciate but honestly maybe. my favorite hulk is lou ferrigno going all the way back to the 70s because it's a big muscly guy actually doing the stuff 
And so all the yeah. motions were right. All the physics were right. He was just, you know, lifting light things that looked heavy. You know, every now and then he would, it was a, a styrofoam brock would tumble oddly after he threw it. And he's like, oh, okay, that's, that's foam. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> right. when, when there's an actual human doing it, it's better. Uh, and it, it, maybe it always will be. Maybe we'll come to a point where I can't tell the difference. But so far, I've never seen a CGI scene where I didn't, wasn't immediately taken out of the moment and said, oh, well, now I'm watching a computer. Uh, you guys have that yeah. same experience? Sometimes I yeah. do. Um, but a lot of times what happens with me is I'll end up, I, I turn off that part of my brain and say, no, I'm here to enjoy this. I'm not going to take it apart. Now, if me and my brother sit in the same room and we've seen the movie once, all bets are off. Then it's, oh, plot hole. Oh, that doesn't physically work. No, no. Nah. We tear we tear movies to shreds. It's hilarious. My wife will actually leave the room because she doesn't like the way we tear movies apart. Yeah, I'm if I like the movie, I let it pass, but you know, once a movie gets us reaches a certain crap quotient, <laughs> um then all of a sudden it just it becomes painfully obvious. But I start off giving the movie the benefit of the doubt and I turn on my sense of disbelief so I can enjoy the movie as a movie and not has like a, a theater critic. I mean, you know, I wasn't ever very good at it, but I've done some theater uh, in my younger days and I enjoyed it. And so I, I learned some of that and it's easy to start looking at it as that, but I try to give it the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, suspend disbelief. Let's, let's move. But then, like I say, if it hits a certain crap quotient, then, you know, all of us, it, it's gone. Um, one, one of the things that always instantly takes me out of a movie is a mispronounced word or a misemphasized word. Like they, um, you know, they, they were reading it and they didn't quite, they don't understand what they're saying. They're saying the words, but they don't understand the meaning. And a classic yeah. example of that is in the Matrix. Um, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this 1993 movie i'm about to ruin it for you 97 whatever it was uh the guy who went uh um uh traitor on him i can't remember his name right now um yeah is talking cypher. to cypher okay so cypher is talking to neo and cypher is watching the matrix and and neo says do you always watch it encoded and he says well you have to the construct works for the matrix but there's way uh, the 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 decoding that let me get it right back up he said, you have to. The decoding program works for the construct, but there's way too much information in the matrix. That's the way he should have said it. What he said was, the decoding program works for the construct, but there's way too much information in the matrix. He, he put the wrong word. He said for the construct instead of for the construct. So now you're like, wait a minute. So he's like a slave of the construct, but he doesn't, and he didn't understand the sentence. It's a minor thing, I know. I, I totally, I'm picking at a nit now. <laughs> but I noticed it immediately. The the very first time I saw the movie, it, it was like, whoa. He he was just reading that line. He didn't understand what he was saying. He was saying that the, the, the decoding program works for the construct. If you're in the construct, it works there. But there's too much information in the matrix. He was saying it like the the construct allows the the decoding program to work he, he just he said it wrong and so it bothered me and now, and i've seen that movie many times because it's my favorite one and i just pretend the others don't exist but that very that 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 first, other what i don't yeah, yes, what are you talking never mind. about i don't know what you're talking about seth uh yeah, well, but well, what is every time i've about? watched it it's like it's like a it's like a i'm an oyster and there's a grain of sand and the pearl gets bigger every time i watch it 
it irritates me that much more. It's like, dude, did nobody there? How many takes did they do with that? There was there was a director, there was a producer, there was all these actors around, and nobody noticed that he didn't understand the scene. It, bo- it bothers me. <laughs> well, that that really? I guess they need to start hiring you for for continuity. Con- continuity. No. Yeah, that's the word. Continuity. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Maybe you don't you don't even want me get to get on that scenes where a guy is in the rain. And then he steps inside and he's dry. And then five minutes later, he's wet again after he's already changed clothes. It's like, what? what do you you people aren't paying attention. You're yeah. just not. You're not watching your own movie. Um, yeah, I was watching um, Battle Los Angeles, which I really, movie. really, in, I enjoyed it. But and I don't know why I noticed it. But the first time, wait, you know, wait, at the spoiler, end of the movie, spoiler alert. Okay, you yeah. haven't seen anybody it. who hasn't seen this. Um, that they blow up the ship and the the aliens who went from being these weird looking things all of a sudden became guys in funny costumes but so the marines are charging and aaron eckhart runs out uh, of his rifle and then so he pulls a pistol and is shooting and in the next scene he's shooting his rifle right and then he pulls out another pistol i know and what I was you're like, talking about oh it's oh i couldn't help it i was like it's such a great movie but i can't help but notice that every single time <laughs> so uh but yeah but, it, but I, I still like love that, the movie though. and i give them a pass on that one um it's just a little perturbing yeah that happens a lot particularly in battle scenes a guy will reload his weapon like four different times during the movie because they they're just right. the you know they do the thing and he's not he's not paying attention so it's like one two three reload one reload one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen forty fifteen sixteen nineteen nine, twenty reload one reload so wait wait what are you what they're just not paying attention yeah right. either that or they're or either that or they're been watching many battlefield right. you know yeah. video games where everyone reloads after every couple of bullet fires. Unless they're in the middle but, of a big know, fight. In, in some scenes, when they cut it, it's cut in such a way that, okay, maybe it isn't meant to be a continuous action shot. And so it's cut in such a way that you can give them the benefit of the doubt that you've missed a couple of seconds or whatever. Right. But in this particular thing, it was it was supposed reload, yeah. to be one direct sequence uh, in real time, and they, they missed it. So I'm willing to give them if they do it in such a way that okay we just missed a couple of bullets and you know and so he's shooting or he reloaded while they were looking at something else uh you know i'm willing to give them that sometimes but other times you can't by the way at this point i'd like to point out to the listeners all of this began by a line in the notes that says didn't carve any pumpkins which led to the hulk pumpkin which led to the hulk (laughs) movie which led to all of this Welcome down the to rabbit the hole we go. Web we weave. But before we get off of that, I want to say uh, two things, two more things about movies. Again, wasn't planning on them, but we, we've gone down that road. I went to see Ender's Game opening night. Um, so a couple of things struck me about it. One, I had to okay, find no spoilers. Alert. No spoilers. One, I had to find okay. a movie it was playing in uh, uh, theater. It just that blew me away. I, I guess there just aren't enough forty-year-old geeks out there. Uh, it wasn't playing everywhere in the, in the big theater that I wanted to go to the IMAX. It's not there. Um, so I had to go to another one, which was a nice theater, but it, it just, it's a first run movie with Harrison Ford. You know, you expect it to be a major distribution, but you know, here in Atlanta, the, the Northern Atlanta area where I live, there's a movie theater every five feet. Um, so I understand there was a lot of saturation, but what else came out this weekend? I don't, I can't think of anything that was big no, this weekend. There were a couple of movies that, you know, just came out last weekend that are still showing. 
but it surprised me that opening weekend, Ender's Game, uh, Halloween weekend, that they was only playing in a couple of theaters. But anyway, let me, mm. so before I talk about Ender's Game in the movie, you mentioned Aaron Eckhart. I saw a preview for, by the way, I really like Aaron Eckhart um, uh, because yeah. of his uh, portrayal in Battle of Los Angeles. I didn't didn't know him before that. He is playing um, Frankenstein's monster in a new movie. Uh, really? But it's not it's not the retelling of the Frankenstein origin story. It's not that. It's Frankenstein 2014. So he's 200 years old. Um, and he's sort of become this badass demon slayer in those 200 years. And there's no, I'm sure there's some exposition as to how that came to be, but in the, in the preview, there's not. And so he, he's like this, uh, you know, ugly, uh, scarred up monster of a man who also has ripped six packed abs. So he's both sexy and disgusting (laughs) at the same time. Um, who, who is just, you know, superhuman. And the plot of the movie is that somebody has figured out how to, how to reproduce what Dr. Frankenstein did to him and is trying to breed an army of Frankenstein's monsters who are super badass. And so the movie hmm. is him going out to, to stop it. So I'm thinking huh. that's two things I really like, right? It's action movies. It's Aaron Eckhart. It's Frankenstein. I just, I started the whole conversation saying that I was uh, sort of obsessed with Frankenstein. So that's, that's going to be on my must watch list, but it may be, it may be a must watch on Netflix movie. It may not be a must watch in the theaters, but it's definitely going on the list. Um, definitely so you don't think it's going to be a sharknado kind of movie i you know i don't know it uh when the at first the way they were sort of doing the intro and whatever i thought it was a tv show uh because they you know they're saying like coming in january and they're showing on the scene but i was like man these are really high production values for a tv show and then they they showed that it was a movie um so i'm 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 cautiously optimistic about it (laughs) it's amazing how we are Um, but now about Ender's Game, I think I might've enjoyed it better if I hadn't read the book as a movie, as a movie, it's not bad. I I gave it a seven in my, in my 140 character Twitter review. The problem is they didn't have enough time to tell such a big story. So the whole plot is rushed. Uh, what takes place, uh, spans like four years in the book, uh, takes place in like 30 days in the movie. So they really oh. compress things and they're just, you just didn't give you time to care about the characters. So when you get to the big reveal at the end, which I'm not going to tell you what it is, it's less impactful because you don't care about the characters all that much. Um, right. You don't, you don't have that empathy. I mean, when uh, Orson Scott card has done what very few authors have done in a book. And that is, he surprised me. Something happened that I totally didn't see coming. And that doesn't happen often. And Orson Scott Card has done it twice in both Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow. Um, and, but he's able to do that because he weaves a narrative that is so precise and so intricate that you, you, you understand where you're going and you're thinking like the characters and you're understanding the situation. And then he comes in with this, you know, deus ex machina that just blows you away. Like, Why? Well, I didn't see that coming at all. Um, but in the movie, there just wasn't the time to develop that. So when the big reveal came, I kind of went, huh, oh, well. So that was my that's my review of Ender's Game. It's worth seeing. It's just not a blockbuster. Bummer, because I heard that was the one book of the series that didn't suck. So, uh, so far, I have read three books in the series and enjoyed all three of them immensely. Really? 
Yes. Okay. And they're on my list of things to read as well. Um, that in um, the Iron Druid Chronicles, I was told that those are really good too, which I haven't got to yet. Uh, Speaker for the Dead is the second one, and it, it's the one actually Orson Scott Card was going to write, but he couldn't write that until he fleshed out the Ender story first. Uh, but anyway, it's a it's a little boring um, in places. It's 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 very slow in plotting. It's an intellectual book. It's not an action book. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but I it, when it came to the end, I was satisfied and glad that I'd read it. Uh, cool. Listened to it. Uh, audiobooks <laughs> or whatever uh, but anyway so there again all of this came from didn't carve any pumpkins uh which is funny because i would i was expecting this type of conversation for mine this week. <laughs> yes so while we're on the subject of movie monsters godzilla is an old guy now yes happy birthday godzilla he turned what is that 59 or is that 60? Um, my, my math is dead uh, on Sunday night. But November the 3rd, 1954, is when the very first Godzilla movie was released in Japan. Um, you know, it was originally released in Japan, and in America, they kind of took that footage and spliced in Raymond Burr reporting on it. And so that's when most Americans think uh, Godzilla, you know, because if it didn't happen here, uh, we don't happen. care exactly. as, as Americans. Um, but yeah, it actually was released in Japan, November 3rd, 1954. All right. Go, go, Godzilla. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That one of the, you know, literally the proto monster. He yes. he started the the kaiju Japanese monster movie craze that Americans lapped up like crazy. Oh um, yeah, and then has been reborn in the form of this most recent movie, whose name just flew out of my head. Help Pacific me. Rim. Pacific Rim. Yes, mm. which I enjoyed. By the way, um, I enjoyed Pacific Rim. Yeah, I I I give it a seven as well. It's it's good. But it's totally predictable. It's giant robots fighting giant monsters. There are no surprises there. Um, and th- th- that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's it, uh, a great piece of literature. It ain't. Yeah. No, that, that, that's true. Um, but, you know, like I say, I went into it expecting to see giant robots fighting giant monsters. And, and you were not it, disappointed. It no, I was not disappointed, although I wish there would have been more. Yeah. Um, but. Yes, yeah, there was so much darn much story. Fun. It just got in the way. Why? Why all this exposition? Why not just rock 'em, sock 'em robots the whole time? There you go. <laughs> For that movie, that is precisely what I thought. I was like, "Who cares? I don't care about the guy and his dad, or the guy who lost his brother. I want to see a robot fight a monster." And the Why weird, the weird me? scientist dude and the and and Hellboy. What we could have just removed that whole subplot, and it would not have mattered at all. That is correct. <laughs> I mean, you know, although he was good for a comic interlude while you break, you know, because I mean, granted, while it would have been cool to see an hour and a half straight fighting, <laughs> you need you need a little break here and there. And so you throw in the comic relief between scenes like old vaudeville or something right. used to do. It was perfect. He was perfect for that. <laughs> Let me say something that I, I high praise about that movie. Um, it's a it's epic in size and scope and you know it's it's uh, 40 story robots fighting 40 story um uh monsters half of it in the water more than half of it uh a lot of it in the storm so there's a lot going on visually and there's a lot of really fast action 
Um, and you take a movie like the Transformers, pick one of them, any of them. Uh, it's really easy in one of the Transformers movies to lose sight of who's doing what. You just you see a mechanical thing hit another mechanical thing, and you're not sure what just happened. And then after right. all the dust clears, you're oh, okay, there's an establishing shot. All right, I get that. Now I see what happened. But Pacific mm-hmm. Rim didn't need any of those. It was cut. It was filmed that's not really the word it was generated in such a way uh and and mapped out in such a way that you always knew exactly who was doing what to whom and why you understood the whole process from beginning to end and and that that is laudable in a big you know steel on on lizard skin kind of movie yeah yes it really is and uh come back next week for everyday movie reviews when we talk about (laughs) Dude, I'm telling you, I I think I have just decided. Chris's uh, brother, uh, what's his name? I can't remember, Chris. Andy. 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 Yeah, that's right. Andy and Andy um, sent me some sort of audition stuff. They want to do uh, a movie show on the network. I, I think I'm about to say, no, we're going to do one. Sorry, guys, because this is so much fun. We could do this every week for an hour. Easy. Um, yeah. And it would be fun. In fact, we do do it every week for an hour. We just do it on the Linux right. show. I have to watch this movie. It's for my job. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have to find some good sponsors and pull that one yes. out. <laughs> Honey, it's not, I'm not watching Showgirls for the boobs. It's part of the show. It's required. <laughs> I'm doing it for research. There you go. Oh, my, I could see that becoming a very big rabbit hole. My brother made me watch that movie, by the way, because he thought it was just the ultimate in, uh, in theatrical performance. And here's my, here's my one-line review of Showgirls. It's, an, it's a two-and-a-half-hour hard-on. That, that's the whole movie. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Um, and, you know, it does that well, <laughs> but that's all it does. It's a giant tease. Yes. Okay. I, I really, really wanted to see it when it came out, but I did not um and i have not seen it i mean i'm not sounding virtuous i've seen lots of stuff worse but i've just i've never seen that movie all right um we, clearly guys we have got to cut some of this stuff um but I, <laughs> well I'll, I'll move some of my stuff on down uh, but i gotta know who survived the zombie apocalypse well i um this is actually about the end of the show last week you know um when all of a sudden oh, right. i just I fell off and I listened to it when it came out. And uh, what happened is the church where I record at got a new ISP because, you know, the the cable in this town is like they're the only show in town and they know it. And well, they they don't do it well. By the way, you sound a billion percent better this week. Yeah, but um, it's one of those line of sight things that's like at my house and it uses the radio. And we had a major storm system come through. heavy heavy rain that was pretty fast moving and once that front passed the radio uh tower between here and the church that's when it dropped uh the wind changed and the rain came later but um so that's what happened whenever the storm and it, it was heavy rain and it didn't last for a long time but it was hard and it was enough to disrupt the signal and so i, I couldn't do anything hmm. well we so we, that's what happened there was no zombies. Sure. Darn it. We were worried sure. about your safety uh, for <laughs> at least a couple of minutes. Um, all right. Uh, no Shave November. Anybody participating? Um, no? Yep. Yeah. 
So I began Definitely. participating by shaving. <laughs> so wow. uh, I, I shaved the goat um, on Thursday, Thanksgiving, uh, November, uh, <laughs> Halloween night, um, and started fresh. Um, and, and if you're not familiar with No Shave November, it's it's a it's a newer cousin to Breast Cancer Awareness Month. November is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. I noticed today the NFL teams were all wearing camo, whereas in October <laughs> they were wearing um, pink. Pink. Uh, th- th- today it was camo, so their towels and their hats and everything were camo. So, you know, cool. So it's another jersey everybody will have to right. buy. Way to go, NFL. <laughs> It's become yet another way to commercialize a terrible disease. Awesome. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. But I it's an excuse Says a non-jaded for, fan. It's, a, it's an excuse for me to grow a beard. So that's really a, <laughs> I, I get an excuse to not shave for 31 full days. So I took advantage of it. So are you going with the full beard, neck and all, or are you yep. just gonna, well, no. are you gonna shave the neck? Probably what I will do is not shave at all for a month and then I'll trim it up and keep it at the end of the month. Unless it just, because I'm still a professional, I have to, I have to look good for my job. If it just gets total Linux neck beard on me, uh, then I'm gonna have to trim it up. But my 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 expectation is that I will that a blade of any sort will not touch my face for 31 days. Wow. Uh, see, for me, my my work has said you can participate in No Shave November. That's not a problem. But you must you you have to keep the neckline up clean. Yeah. They, they, they don't want the neck beard showing up. So I'll, I'll have a full beard and I don't do the whole clean shave and then wait for it. I just let the rest of it grow in. Yeah. So I already have a pretty good start on the, on the goat area for those that want to see. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's quite long, Yeah. but uh, by the end of the month, it should be probably twice that length and I'll be rocking the beard. That's the way I did it last year. I just kept the goat and let the rest grow in. But I thought this year I'm going to, I'm going to shave and go, Go all the way through, and it's so funny because people say, "So you got a haircut? Is that a new shirt?" What nobody notices what's different. <laughs> yep, just that something, something is about you yeah. has changed. So, are, when, when the month's over, Mark, are you, you're, when it's all done, are you going to keep the beard for a while? Or are you going to shave it down to the goatee again? Um, last year I kept it until like September, so you know we'll just it. I keep it until it starts to either get too hot or just annoys me too much. Ah, okay. <laughs> But last year, I went all the way through the summer with it. And what happened was last summer was sort of the summer of hell for me. And um, at the end of the of August of that year, it was it was a symbolic thing for me. I shaved the beard to say that part of my life is over. I'm starting fresh. Uh, so that's ah. that's what that was. Hmm. Uh, kind of like what I do with my tattoos. Yeah, it was something I needed to do to let me know that the hell I had been going through was ended. And that hell being, you know, uh, moving here to Georgia, changing literally every part of my life, being separated from my family for a month. Um, that, you know, if you're not a family guy, you don't know, but that, that was hard. Um, yeah. And I was, I, there were, you know, I got three industry standard certifications that most people get uh, over the course of years in three months. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was rough. It was a rough time. And so the, the shaving of the beard was to let me know that, uh, that's done. <laughs> well, and cool. we're all happier for you, Mark. Yes. 
Okay, moving right along to something else actually in the show notes. Uh, I'll start with a little listener feedback. Alex is responding to the Coffee Talk episode. He says, hey, Mark, finally got around to listening to Coffee Talk, and I can tell you, you are spot on. Can you tell why we put him in the show? Um, (laughs) Having graduated with a BS in organic organic chemistry and working at Starbucks for six years, I can't help but hold people to a high standard when I hear them talk with authority about coffee. I'm pleased to report that everything you said totally checked out. It was cool how you made totally scientific adjustments to your coffee method based on such practical inquisitive research. I was getting ready to try your method myself up until you involved a shop vac. I don't think the other tenants in my building would appreciate all that ruckus. Anyway, congratulations on pleasing one of the hardest to please know-it-alls out there on the subject of coffee. Keep up the great work, Alex. Very cool. um, Alex, if you gave samples, they probably would. So uh, (laughs) There you go. Just a thought. But you might end up in trouble there. Yeah, and and like unto that, a little uh, news is this weekend. I had I had alluded to it before. This weekend, I scaled up my my existing rig. I'm now no longer using a one gallon tea pitcher. I am using a five gallon bucket um, and some plumbing. To, nice. So I can now do five gallons of coffee at a time. Um, I, I haven't used it yet. I'm still the silicon is still curing. Um, uh, on the seals that I did, but uh, I went and uh, uh, in case you're interested, Lowe's carries um, uh, food grade HBPA uh, buckets for three bucks a piece. Uh, and um, Home Depot, which in my case is right across the street, sells a fancy gamma screw on lid uh, uh, to it for like six bucks. The lid costs more than the, than the bucket, but it's worth it. I, I went Jeez. to a local, to a local brew, uh, place here, um, and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some brew materials, some, some five gallon buckets and some, some things like that. Uh, do you sell them or can you tell me where to go? And, and the guy said, well, we don't sell it, but there's a place down the street called Winecraft. Go check that out. So, uh, it's all about making your own wine. So I go in there and he's got this same five gallon bucket with a lid on it. Um, and a spigot, uh, a, a plastic spigot on it. And, uh, you know, and I'm willing to pay more for, you know, to support local business. I've always been willing to do that, but for the bucket, he wanted 28 bucks. Oh, and I'm like, um, yeah, thanks, but no, <laughs> I'm going to be moving on. And so then I did a little research and found that Lowe's had them for three, I, I, a thousand percent markup. That's a little much. Um, at that point, I, it's no longer supporting local business. It's, it's keeping from being raped. Um, <laughs> right. And, and stolen from. Yes. So, um, That's so I, I made, uh, it's, it's two, it's a five gallon bucket that feeds through. I, I cut a hole in it and put a drain, a kitchen sink drain in the bottom of that. Um, and then plumb that down with the same, uh, T offshoot pipe uh, that I had before into another five gallon bucket, um, so that will go. And then I've got a third five gallon bucket to actually do the brewing. So I, you know, I put one in the fridge to brew, and then I dump it into the big one, and then sucks it down into the small one. So, you know, my, my the cost of my rig increased dramatically. Now instead of being about forty dollars, it's about sixty dollars to do five Ooh, gallons wow. of coffee. That's that's so so expensive, Mark. How are <laughs> yes. you going to foot that bill? All right, and so moving on with a little more listener feedback, Nadusin uh, asks us to look into the future. Says, "Hi, Mark, Seth, and Chris. For accuracy, you might want to read this in a terrible Australian accent." 
So here you go, by request, my terrible Australian accent. I have a scenario. You found a crystal ball with a penguin engraved on the top. It shows the future of Linux 10 years from now. What do you see? How will Linux, how will we Linux in a decade? Be creative. I promise not to hold you to your answers. Cheers, Nadusin. P.S. Love the coffee talk. Send it to a few friends and they're interested in trying it out as well. We'll respond with photos as we proceed. There you go. My terrible Australian. I can do a good one, but that was the terrible one as requested. (laughs) You did the terrible very well. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So what do you think Linux is going to look like 10 years from now? That we could probably do a whole show on that and we may come back to that but um hmm. it's just for a little discussion uh, you guys try to give me you know a paragraph or less of what you think and to give you guys some because you know i knew about this ahead of time i put i got the email i'll go first and i'll let you guys have some time to think about it um i see linux in 10 years as being um exactly where it is today uh, with about you know three to five percent market share on the desktop, about eighty to ninety percent market share in the server room, and with opinionated guys arguing with each other over every little thing. And the reason I think that's the case is because that's where it's been for the last twenty years. And I just, I just, I think with the nature of what Linux is and the people who do it, it's not likely to change anytime soon. A lot of people are trying. Um, and, you know, they're trying to push change and they're being shouted down by the neckbeards uh, for the most part. So as much as I would like to be more optimistic, I think Linux 10 years from today in, in, in uh, 2023 looks a lot like Linux today in 2013. Who wants to go next? Well, Seth. I will go and say that, unfortunately, I agree. It is going to continue to outpace um, Windows and take over more of Unix market share in the back end. And so, and as it matures and goes with open cloud, it will be GNU Linux slash open cloud, um, all one thing. GNU will still have yet to release a stable version of their kernel and Linux in the desktop computing world will be used as a verb much the same way that Google is for searching now. And it will mean right around the corner. You know, it won't say my fortune's (laughs) right around the corner. You'll say my fortune is Linux. You know, I'm almost there. I've Linuxed it. I'm about to make it big. I've Linuxed it is is what it will mean. Just because if every year you can cycle through and this is a year of Linux on the desktop or next year, Linux will dominate the desktop. So that's what Linux, unfortunately, will come to mean is that it's it's one break away from making it big time. there you go. All right, Chris, what what do you have to say on the subject? Um, you know, my idea is similar to what, you know, Mark says. You know, I think the server market will stay Linux driven. Um, they're going to probably outpace Microsoft a lot. Um, I, I just for personally I, I see the Linux server system being a much more robust and ha- can handle more with less. Um, as far as 10 years with the desktop I think we're going to end up being in a place where there is no desktop in 10 years. I don't think there, um, and I hate to say that, I really do, but I don't think we're going to have desktops in, in 10 years or so where we're going to have thin clients calling up to the Linux servers to do our work. Um, similar to like Google Docs, people that are heavily into Google Docs, they never even use their, their basic uh, desktop operating system now. 
they're popping into a browser. They're using their tablet to go to a browser. Um, you are totally stealing that, my thunder for later in the show, just so you know. Ah, oh, sorry, Mark, but that's where I think we're going to be in ten years because of the way the tablets are being pushed, and the fact that they're the cool new thing. I don't think we're going to have desktops in ten years. I think what's going to happen is we're going to have thin clients, and that's what it's going to be. And the thin client may be Linux because it's you know nimble. It's nimble on on, a, on light hardware specs, which is what you'd need for a thin client. But I think it's going to be, that's what we're going to be. And, you know, I may be totally wrong. You know, the gamer community might change that depending on how Steambox goes. But that's where I feel in 10 years Linux is going to be. It's going to be the portal to the internet. We're not going to have the desktop fights anymore. All right. I, I, I realize in retrospect, I should have put this one just before the transition into the uh, to the discussion because... It really is the same discussion we're about to have. But since I didn't yep. do that, I'll move on to the last part of Nadusen's email. It says, P.S. Loved Coffee Talk. Oh, I already said that part. Never mind. Uh, moving on, Mike introduces <laughs> us to a tablet. Hey, what do you know? Talking about tablets. Uh, he says, just listen to EDL number 115 and the talk of Android tablets taking over Apple. <clears throat> There's a new tablet to watch in the UK called the Huddle. It's not a Nexus beater, but the specs are uh, and not... I can't. I'm sorry. I don't understand the sentence. It's not a Nexus beater, but the specs are and not that far being behind. Oh, but the specs are not that far behind, really. Um, it's uh, being sold by Tesco, who, well, uh, they may have pulled out of America, are just huge in the UK. It's going to fly off the shelves, and Android is going to reach the average man in the streets. Interesting times. Um, while we're on the sub- yep. subject of interesting times, um, the uh, Nexus 5... Uh, phone from Google was just released uh, yesterday. Yeah, I think it, no Friday. Uh, we record on Sunday. That was Friday, so um, just released. And um, the reason that's germane, it's a it's a of the latest Android tablet. The specs are really pretty decent. Not awesome, uh, but pretty decent. But the price point unlocked sixteen gig for three forty nine. Um, unlocked wow. is 30, that good or bad that's really good unlocked 32 gig is uh 399 uh to to compare a samsung galaxy s4 the closest competitor unlocked is uh 649 uh for the 16 gig version mm-hmm. so it's literally half price wow you know so even their Google. even their their larger devices are that are coming down way in price too just looking at some of the the price points for their Nexus Seven and Nexus Ten, yeah. What that tells me is that they are really kind of afraid of Samsung taking the lead role in the whole uh, Android market. Which that's what Samsung wants to do. They don't want to be dependent on Google. They want to they want to be like Apple and you know have their ecosystem set and other people follow them and Google seems like no Android's us and we want to control it so let's get some market share out there away from Samsung I I think that's definitely part of it but I also think it's um, just we want to get our OS into the hands of the most people so we're willing to sell this at cost or even uh, maybe take a a little bit of a loss on it because everybody who uses Android also uses, you know, the Google Play Store. And, you know, um, even if uh, they're only buying small 
purchases, we're taking a percentage of everything they buy. So I, I think that's their play. It's you know it's the same thing with the Chrome OS and all that. They've always yep. said so. The more people use the web, the more money they make. So it's the freemium model right. of uh, cell phones. It's the Amazon Prime model. We're going to give yep. you the hardware at at our cost or even below. We may even take a loss on the hardware, knowing that you will buy our products using that hardware. Yeah, just like the Kindle Fires. You know the the price point for the Kindle Fire, you know, which is equivalent to the Nexus Seven, is that same price point, the two twenty nine. So they're losing money on the hardware, but they're going to make it up on the back end with the software. Yeah. Hmm. So I uh, I have dis- I've been in the market for a new phone uh, for a while now, but I just wasn't willing to pay. I, I don't want to do a contract. Um, I did the, for the phone I have now. I did a contract. It was my first smartphone contract up until this point. I've always bought my own uh, smartphones and not had a contract. And I'm you know, I'm stuck with this phone that was a refurb when I got it. Uh, I signed a two year contract. I still have four months to go in my two year contract, and the phone just is physically not lasting. The NAND RAM is is wearing out. The phone itself is getting clunky. Uh, I, I recently just totally did a whole new wipe on it just to try to squeeze a little more life out of it. Wiped everything and did a total rebuild. But I'm stuck because I can't buy another phone because of my contract. And yeah, the, uh, AT&T and everybody now is offering these buy out of your contract deals. But when you actually do the math on those, it's a terrible, terrible deal. Uh, so I was for looking, us, you know, not for them, right? So I was looking around on on eBay for like used phones, or whatever. But then you're in the same situation now. This refurb is essentially a used phone. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to be stuck in that situation. But when Google announced that price, three forty nine for a sixteen gig, the phone that I have now is only eight gigs. Um, so you know that's that's a done deal. Uh, I can I can swing three forty nine, and then I'm going to go to T Mobile. I'm going to dump uh, AT and T when when my contract runs out. And that should, uh, T-Mobile has the $40 all-you-can-eat plan. Uh, so, and right now I'm paying almost $300 for two smartphones. Uh, so Oof. once, uh. you know, with unlimited tax and all that, uh, so I, I will save 200 bucks a month, a month on that. So the price of that yeah. phone uh, comes back pretty darn quickly. So I, you know, my wife has a Galaxy S3. She still loves it and is, is in no hurry to get rid of it. Um, it's a great phone, but I need a new one, so I'm going to buy a new phone. We're both going to jump ship to AT and T uh, from AT and T to go to T Mobile, and we'll save a ton of money. That works. Sweet. I wish I had that opportunity up here. Yeah, I didn't where I lived in Texas. AT and T was literally the only game in town, uh, but now I have options, so I'm going to take yeah. advantage of those options. No, and I don't blame you. Yeah. Everyone should. All right, and one last listener email from uh, Frank. He says, hi, guys. I love the show. Keep the, the coffee talk and bacon talk coming. I want, you, uh, I want you to know that this name for Mark thing has been bugging me. Um, it, someone in an email a couple of weeks ago referred to your show as a triumvirate. Uh, I see it more as a triangle with the gooey kid on one side, the command line godfather on the other, and that leaves Mark as the hypotenuse. Try it. It even sounds cool. Mark, the hypotenuse. Okay. Uh, Keep up the great work, Frank. Uh, And then uh, his signature line I even copied in because I like this. Life is like a cab. The meter keeps running even when you're waiting. That's true. Yeah, but Frank, 
unfortunately that doesn't work because see you don't have to say seth the gooey kid or chris the command line godfather it's the gooey kid the command line godfather and the hypotenuse so it doesn't work like that but that is a really good try and uh, i'm glad to see that our community is supporting us and trying this is a lot harder than we thought it would be um so keep the ideas coming but you know remember it it's the command line godfather the gooey kid and something Something. not you know so it's it's got to flow like that my problem is i think the reference is just a little too obtuse Yes, I went there. I went there. Yes, I did. I did that. I went and made a bad geometry joke. Yes, I did. Um, But also, the only way to the only way to have a hypotenuse is to have a right triangle. And I would say that our uh, track record of being right is pretty small. (laughs) Yeah, we're all acutely Uh, aware of that, Mark. Oh, oh, they 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 just keep coming. Uh, that, okay, I'm, I, I, they're running around in my head now, and I'm I'm fighting them. I'm holding them back. All the bad <laughs> geometry puns. So I'm gonna uh, just move on to the news of the week. Hey, we're only an hour into the show. Yay! We're rocking right woo-hoo. along. Um, so uh, we the the tech community, uh, at least the super uber geeky, uh, bit a fond farewell this week to um, Mr. William Lowe. Yes, uh, William Lowe, he did not invent the personal computer, but he was basically the marketing director at IBM who had the idea, hey, why don't we develop a personal computer and market it to the masses instead of just businesses? So, um, you know, and still to this day, you know, PC is an acronym that came from IBM. So William C. Lowe died last month at the age of 72 and it's really his marketing insight that brought the computer to the masses. You know, maybe someone else would have done it, but he's the one who did. And much like Apple did not invent the MP3 player, they just did a really great job of marketing it. Uh, IBM did not invent the personal computer. They're just the ones who made it happen. Um, so William Lowe uh, passed away last month at the age of 72, a titan in the computer field. And, you know, we're going to start seeing that uh, a lot more because the Internet was born about 50 years ago. And, and the guys yeah. who did it were all, you know, 20 and 30-somethings then, and, and they're aging out. So the, the fathers of the Internet are dying, and it's it's up to us, the sons and grandsons, to carry on what they began. And, you know, I'm afraid in some cases we're just not doing a very good job of it. Case in point, Oracle with Java. They're doing a pretty yeah, no bad kidding. job of carrying on the legacy there. So the Firefox community says, you know what? We'll handle that. <laughs> yeah. So f- the Firefox web browser now will require you to manually activate Java objects in sites you visit. So, uh, you know, Oracle has done such a great job of uh, screwing up the patching and security implementation of Java that. Firefox says Java will not run automatically on any website you go to via Firefox. You can still run it, but you have to manually launch it. So I think this is a, I think it's a good move because it raises the security bar. um, And it's probably also a good move because it helps get rid of Java, um, at least from the front end browser side. But 
I wonder how bad it's going to break the internet and if this could come back to hurt them because it's an extra step. And if there's one, the laziest group of people out there are basically the American on the internet. I have to click an extra step. Ugh, <laughs> give me IE. You know, I can't I, believe I'm uh, saying that, but I, there, the the number of websites that require Java. This is not JavaScript. It's it's important to make that distinction. Is right. very very low. The Java virtual machine, and again, we um, we rightly lambast the Java VM for being uh, a security. Uh, mess but the the reason it's a mess is it was never designed to be put on the internet it was designed to be a virtual machine that exists inside your regular machine runs code write once run anywhere and it's still really good at that and there's still lots of really good use reasons to use java there's never a really good reason to use it on the internet not with html5 not with with flash which is actually a subset of Java. Um, there's you just don't need it anymore. It's too big. It's too heavy. It's clunky. It, it it you're running an entire VM. Understand that JVM stands for Java Virtual Machine. When we talk about running uh, Linux or Windows in a VM, that's exactly the same thing. It's virtual hardware. It's a virtual uh, um, storage system. It's a virtual processing system. All that you have to load up just so that you can play this game or uh, load this. You know. Um, uh, Justin TV, where we stream our live show, their their live stream app is is JVM. It's a Java machine, um, and you know there's not just not a lot of sites on the world that still do that. Uh, and yeah. the and Java should never have been put on the internet. So I think I think the Firefox is doing the right thing, saying, look, this was a bad idea to begin with. We're not going to take it away from you. We're not going to go so draconian and say no Java, no soup for you. We're just going to say you got to you got to make this choice every time you do it. I think that's a good thing. I do too. Right, but um, do do you think that it could hurt them in that people just want what they've been used to and will go to someplace else that they don't have to I, make that I choice? I think the numbers are way too low for it to actually yeah. affect so? anything. Uh, lots of banking websites in Europe uh, used to use Java. Even they're pulling away from it now. Um, there's just there's just not that much Java on the web anymore. There's lots of intranets that run Java. But if you're on an intranet, go ahead and use IE. That's It's safe in an intranet environment. Um, there's nothing right. wrong with that. Uh, just don't use Java on the web. Yeah. That's, okay. you, can't much go, you can't much change much than that. I mean, especially since with HTMI, HTML5 coming and starting to take hold in places, you're, we're not going to need some of these older frameworks anymore. The virtual machine, the Java virtual machine, Flash, um, they're just going to eventually die off uh, as things progress. This just kind of kicks the JVMs out the door faster. And on the subject of things dying off, the the U.S. government says they want to end patent trolls, but they're never really good at doing anything, so I don't expect much to happen. Yes, there is a patent reform bill um, in the U.S., and the stated end of it is to put an end to patent trolls. But unfortunately, it's being done by people who probably know as much about the Internet as I do neurosurgery in the context of rocket science, um, which would be nothing, by the way. By the way, um, I just got to say this really smells oniony. House Judiciary Committee Representative Bob Goodlatte. Really? Got Bob Goodlatte? Really? I'm just I'm just saying this smells fishy. Yeah. 
but it's an Ars Technica article. So, I mean, it, maybe it is um, or maybe it isn't. Um, and, you know, while we're talking about this, I am going to Google that name. He's a real person. He's a real person. Virginia uh, District <laughs> Six, yeah, Virginia six, six conditional so, district. And if you look at him, though, wow. somebody could have totally hacked the uh, information superhighway. <laughs> he could actually be insert. invented. He could. He the onion could have made him up. Maybe he's not actually a real person. He looks like one of those guys. Yeah, they, they took uh, stock components of all of the <laughs> all of the uh, people in the house and amalgamated them together, and it just so happens to look just like a Robert William Goodlatte. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he doesn't pronounce it Goodlatte, but that's how it's spelled: Good Latte. Uh, he, yep. His name should be William Starbucks for crying out loud. <laughs> Well, it was, but um, that was a condition of them buying him through their lobbyists was he had to change it to fill us off the scent. But yeah, okay, I'll let you uh, what continue the bill with the story. does <laughs> what the bill does is it makes it hard for smaller companies to file patent lawsuits. So it will uh, it'll get rid of the lawsuits surrounding patent trolls because small firms won't be able to fight them anymore. They'll just have to buckle under and pay. So way to go, Bob. You are doing yeah. the internet a great service. Keep it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it really it's a it's a patent troll protection bill is how what it yeah. ends up being. Uh, saying right. that it's more expensive, it's more difficult to now go defend um, your use of something that somebody says is a patent. Um, and, you know, that's typical government, not just the U.S. government. That's what government does. Yeah. So, you know, there will be less um, patent lawsuits uh, if this bill makes it through, which kind of hope it doesn't, but uh, it's not the outcome that anybody would want to see. Um, well, I say the patent trolls obviously would want to see it i guess but um yeah and and as long as we're talking about stories that could easily be an onion article lenovo welcomes their newest product engineer ashton kutcher yeah but um unfortunately no and this one is actually legit and i kind of just brought this up because it also highlights kind of um a meta trend I just like throwing that word in and it kind of fits. So I'm going with it. Um, companies hiring famous Purdue people. So they get to kind of capitalize on their notoriety to kind of make their stuff, you know, more marketable. Uh, they are Ashton Kutcher is going to be working with the engineers and he has a uh, track record of technologically uh, involvement in the technological sector. He has a, um, startup fund that he uh venture capital fund that he does to fund startups and he's avidly involved in the technology sector um but uh the one bad thing about this is it's not enough to pull him out of two and a half men to kill <laughs> that ghost of a show um that show just needs to die people um but yeah, so they are and the, you know, and this article goes on and talks about like, you know, people like uh, Jennifer Lopez, Alicia Keys, although uh, she was create she was named creative director for Blackberry, so I don't know how well it's working out for everybody, but um Lady Gaga, Leonardo DiCap uh, DiCaprio and uh Will I Am from the Black IPs are all people involved in this as the tech tech technology companies reach out to Hollywood for um, spokesmen 
to kind of give their products that pop in the uh, consumerization of IT. You make them stand out. Yeah, I, I, it all started with Beats by Dr. Dre, I think. I think that was yeah. that was where it began. Um, I, I, I don't... Did you guys ever listen to anything with Beats? Yeah, it's basically just nope. a bass boost. My phone has yeah. Beats on it. It just It's a bass boost. Woohoo! I remember yeah. my old jam box in the 80s had a bass boost button on it. It just didn't yep. have Dr. Dre's name on it. That's right. <laughs> I always think it's funny when I see it, especially when some people, you know, oh, look, I got this great Beats thing. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Whatever. Way to go back to the 80s. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I wish I could work in back to the 80s in any of those stores. I was scanning the list thinking, that's a good transition. Can I? I can't do it. Uh, so Adobe got hacked. We talked about that. We said it was bad. Yeah, it was really, really bad. Yeah, I think somebody just misplaced a decimal somewhere. Uh, you know, they reported <laughs> it was a, it was about a month ago that approximately three million uh, accounts were compromised. But and it turns out they weren't wrong. Three million accounts were compromised, but and it did add thirty five million to that. So apparently, Ooh. it's more like thirty eight million customer accounts have been uh, compromised, or they were they were stolen, but. They say it's okay because they were password protected. Um, and, you know, we've covered on the, I'm sorry, there's this picture of this uh, woman's boobs hanging out of the article. And uh, I, I looked, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I, I was I was transfixed. Uh, you you have a I'm, different page than I have, brother. No kidding. Well, yeah and you know and when the highlight and i hate it that they do this the highlight says google banned this and it's this woman <laughs> in a white beater shirt that they're barely contained um <laughs> this show was broken before we started it um you are yeah, so you know even though these passwords might have been secured um it doesn't matter because we've gone on and on about how easy it is to uh, run some GPU cards together and have a password cracker running. And, you know, most of those passwords were probably password or dog or my fluffy banana or something like that. And they'll be hacked. Half of them will be hacked in less than a month. And so, granted, some people had their 48 characters of alphanumeric gibberish that will never be broken, but they'll get 10 or 20 million account uh passwords by the end of this year i'm sure and then um you know a lot of people use the same account for everything they use the same password for everything so once they know your email address and your password they'll just go there and try that password and then uh so if you had an adobe account you should definitely change your password to something harder now i just have to say one thing last pass for the win yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, and what, what, if, not, if the NSA has showed us nothing in, in recent months, uh, it's that metadata is often more valuable than the data. Uh, so they have, right. this, they have these user accounts. Now they, they know something about these people. Uh, and even if they don't have their passwords, it makes them a, a more ripe target later. You know, we. Yep. Uh, I know that this person's into Adobe products. I have his email address. Um, it's a perfect fodder for a phishing campaign. I don't need his password to do that. 
uh, or I can create a phishing pay, uh, uh, campaign to get his password. Um, you know, so it's, it's a, when 38 million passwords get loose, it's a big deal. When you report it as 3 million, it's a bigger deal. Yeah. So let's talk about a company doing something right. Where are they? I don't know. <laughs> Cisco has developed an open source implementation of the H.264 codec. It's a video encoding codec for for live video. Cisco is big in the telepresence, teleconferencing sort of thing. So they yep. have their implementation of a closed codec, by the way. It's, it's not open source, the codec itself. They have an implementation right. implement, of it, and they say they're going to release that and continue to pay the licensing fees for people who use their open source implementation that's cool that's like a guy outside of school offering candy bars if you'll take a ride in his van there's something fishy about that (laughs) yeah i mean there could very well be something fishy about that um but it could be just a way for them it's also could be a way for them to stay relevant in a google hangout world um you know, they want, you know, they have Google has uh, enterprise level uh, video I and um, VoIP as well as uh, video conferencing and chatting capabilities. And as more people move to uh, use things like Google Hangouts for that and Microsoft's link is also making inroads, this is a great way for them to stay current and for them to stay relevant. So, I mean, you know, it's unfortunately it's all it's gotten to the point to where you almost have no control over your data except for who are you going to um who are you going to let be your master is really about the only choice you can make um is google going to be your master is cisco going to be your master is apple going to be your master is microsoft going to be your master so this is a way for them to stay in the lucrative commute or consumer sector instead of just being the the back-end hardware that it runs on possibly that's that's all that's a very valid point um Yep. And a lot of people are just getting away from the H.264 codec altogether because of the licensing thing. But the fact is, nobody's come up with anything better. Google has the VP8 codec that they're still working on. They're saying it's going to be better. It's not there yet. Uh, right. So it, it, there's this tension created between people who don't want to get sued for using it uh, and the people who realize there isn't anything better yet. So, you know, it, this may not be a long-term boon, but in the short term, this could be a very good thing. We could start seeing um, really uh, good streaming video come to open source products. Uh, that means you know your your streaming video editors are going to get better. Your encoders, things like Handbrake, uh, that that break movies, uh, DVDs, and things like that, are going to get better because they have um, this better um, legal, appropriately licensed um, version of the H.264 codec. Mm-hmm. Right, and it will uh, it will cause some people to stop what they're working on and just use this. So it will also slow down competition in their category. Has you know, it, people aren't going to go with this other technology that is kind of free from the threat or freer from the threat of suits than this is. And so it will pull money away from their competitors R and D as well. So it could turn out to be a very good thing. Um, you know, I think it's good when you have at least two good sized players going at it to keep a system from being locked up and we'll see if that, if that happens. 
And I think we're going to do one more for the night, and this is a good one because we have the command line godfather with us. The Steam-powered gaming is up to 65 million accounts. That's right. I think it's awesome, personally. Um, if the, For those that haven't known, um, I am a Steam and Valve addict. Um, I don't know how many games I currently have. Let's just say there's I have a small addiction. Um, I don't play them all. I just kind of collect them all because of <laughs> the awesome sales they keep throwing, and I can't I can't resist. Give me my precious. <laughs> oh, it's bad. It's so bad. I, I got my hand slapped the other night because I, I spent too much on the Steam store. Um, while I'm waiting for my account to load up, I'll and I'll, I'll even I'll even say how many how many games I have for, through Steam. But this is pretty cool that we have, you know, 65 million people signed into Steam. And it's a fluctuating number because it, it, they this is not only that they're uh, that they're saying you know people that have signed in, but they're also that many. There's so many accounts that are active on a day to day basis. It's it's almost it's almost funny <laughs> because who would have thought that the small little startup way back when would have you know caught the attention of so many gamers? Um, so that that's not 65 million steam users that's 65 million linux steam users right no that, i misread that no it's just you steam misread total that. okay yeah. yeah it's total steam users and, and linux have approximately one percent of that market at the time at this point but that's still if you look at the one percent that's still six hundred fifty thousand users that are linux yeah. so that's that's still a good chunk of of gamers that are steam driven and for those that are wondering, my game addiction currently in my Steam library is 94 games. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot. Well, when you can buy a game for ten less than ten dollars, that's a triple A rated game. You know, you kind of go, well, yeah, I want to play that someday. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just go ahead and buy that for the time when I might have an opportunity to play it. Uh, well, it's always going to be mine. So as long as I can pull it down later, who cares? I've done that with movies. I'm going to buy this DVD yep. knowing that, you know, like I can't watch this until my kids are older, but I'm going to go ahead and buy it because I know I can get it now. You know, things like that. And, and right. get it at a good price. Right. And, you know, they're, they're, uh, I've seen a lot of games where you can't get them, you know, they were cool at the time they were released. I would love to play them again but I can't find them anywhere on a platform that I can play on. So if I buy it through Steam, I at least know that as far as I know now, even the games that I bought way back when I first started with Steam, I can still play those games even on my, win on, on my Windows 7 partition. So it works. Um, and it, it, with Linux now becoming a, a, it's not a monster player yet, but it's it's got, ability you know it's it's going to become a big deal when they release their steam box so this is a good thing i'm curious to find out how fast that number grows when the steam box makes it to market all right so and i'm gonna yeah. it w one, one more thing just so you guys know as of the time of this story of recording right now steam is reporting four million people online and playing right now right now wow yeah, and they had 30% growth uh, in the last year. So 
you know, it's, it's uh, not like they seem to be growing and that number seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And it's not like, oh, we're I've peaked and are going to start falling. So they seem to still be growing. Cool. And I've never even seen it. I couldn't, I, I've, I've never you installed got it. it. I know nothing about it. Go install it. It's free. The yeah. client is free and there's enough free games that will run on even a slow Pentium or Intel Celeron 2 processor that you could play it even on your gear, Mark. Wow, that was insulting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even on your gear. Ugh. Uh, I'm just, well, I'm running on a, a pretty hopped up rig, so I may not be an, a, a gamer monster, but I, I definitely can pull 80 frames a second without blinking an eye in most games. I'm just not big into games. When I have spare time, I make coffee instead. Um, to each their own. Yeah. <laughs> I got to help pay my buddy's wages, so I'll, I'll keep buying games as long as he keeps coding them. Maybe. How's that? <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, this week in computer malware, one of the first <laughs> worms was released uh, this week. Yes, the Morris the Morris worm was the first it was not the first worm, but it was the first one to garner uh, widespread media attention. It was released November the 2nd, 1988, and the thing, the guy who coded it said his goal was to see how many machines were on the internet at the time. Um, I think it was still called uh, DARPAnet, um, but it, but he kind of did a... Um, he 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 miscoded the worm and it was done in such a way that multiple instances of it would start on the same machine and it happened at such a fast rate that you know these mainframes just slowed to a crawl because this war it didn't do anything except run um so it wasn't destroying data or it, it was just bad coding that it, it started and started and started and you know like your browser what happens if you get too many tabs your windows open it just kind of dies well that's what happened to these machines and it really kind of started the discussion of you know maybe we should try to secure these in some way uh 1988 so 25 years later we're still talking maybe <laughs> we should secure these in some way um but yeah the morris worm was released into the wild november 2nd uh 1988 I remember when Microsoft uh, touted um, the ability to automatically open and play whatever was on a USB drive when you inserted it as a feature. And now oh, it's yeah. a liability. Yes. You know, it was like, all you got to do is just plug this in. It goes and sees what's on the hard drive. It finds it and then just loads it automatically. And now we're like, dear God, you just put the thing in there and all you have to do. And then it goes and it loads it automatically. It's exactly the same ah! thing, just the, just with twenty years of hindsight now. Yep. All right, and in the because Mark loves numbers section, smartphones by the numbers. Yeah, I thought you would be interested to know, Mark, that uh, smartphones are they're destroying the market. They're up thirty eight point eight percent year over year from last quarter. So basically. 254 million smartphones were sold worldwide and samsung is dominating with 81.2 million uh they're up to 31.4 percent of the market so basically 
three or one out of every three smartphones sold is made by Samsung and Apple's market share is plunging. They are down to a paltry 13.1% shipping 33.8 million uh, smartphones last quarter. Windows is up to number three, by the way, rim uh, dying. Um, Migos still alive, barely. <laughs> I, I think there's one. Um, I might go on eBay and see if I can make become number two. Um, but yeah, me, me. Well, don't you have to find I a carrier to Migo. activate it too? <laughs> no, Migo didn't make the article. I just threw that in for Element OP exclusive commentary on I, the I article. Think, I think the M900 is still a viable platform out there running Migo. It's a, it's a couple years old, but I think it's still out there. Nokia. Yeah, uh, at least until Nokia, you know, they they did their thing. They're killing off the Migo app store um, slowly. They're going to let it die on the vine. Hopefully it picks up because it just Migo rocks. (laughs) You just like it because the zombie. No, I like it because I reviewed it um, and I thought it was kind of cool. And then they they promptly stopped it. And I was like, don't do that to me. Um, And the element OP faithful are keeping it alive. Somehow I know. All right, and now a mere one hour and 17 minutes into the show, somewhere around that number, let's actually get to this topic of the day. They're just, it's, it. you ever watch like you flush a toilet and the water starts coming up at you and it's just getting bigger and bigger and closer and closer, there's nothing you can do about it? That's the way show length has become for me. Every week it just gets bigger and bigger and gets closer (laughs) and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't reach over and flip up the little handle in time. That would never work. I can't do it. All I have to do, it's just just getting longer and longer. But, you know, hey, unlike a backed up toilet, people actually seem to be enjoying this. See? See what I could have done there? See how I could have gone there? But I didn't. I stopped. Yeah. I They're going to need to rate it on their poop app. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is uh, a couple of uh, – this discussion was t- uh, tipped off by a couple of, of articles that Seth found. He, he had an interesting idea for the show. He gave us um, three sets of articles that are were di- – were, disagreeing with each other like you know article a said one thing article b said the opposite of that or something uh like that and so this this kind of got me to thinking and i hijacked his idea and went with it but there's there's basically two sets of of articles the the uh ios is free ish now the most recent release of ios was released for free um it's still not quite fair to call it free because it only runs on their hardware. So you got to buy their hardware first. Um, mm-hmm. And in the licensing agreement says that you can't run it on um, your own, you know, cobbled together uh, fake Linux box or Mac box. What, are they, what do they call those? Hackintosh. Hackintosh, right. It's a Hackintosh. I, I couldn't think of the word. So I was just going to keep talking until it came to me and it never did. <laughs> uh, so Hackintosh is, is illegal is not the right word, but, but against the, the license agreement. So to say it's free is a bit of a misnomer, but if you've shucked out uh, 1800 bucks for a MacBook Air, you don't have to pay again for the latest upgrade of the software. So there, there's one thing. And then somebody else um, pa- uh, posed the question, is that bad for Linux? If Apple is, is no longer, if, if cost is no longer a barrier for using Apple, 
how does that fare to Linux? Uh, Linus Torvalds basically says it's not going to be a big issue, and I agree with him. Um, and we won't review those articles in depth, but I'll, the, I'll put them in the notes when we get there. Uh, but it posed the question, what happens, can, can Linux compete when there isn't a price argument? Because still today, uh, we, we talk about uh, Linux as being solid and, and stable and good. And, and of course, there's the free as in speech thing. It's open. But still, the primary selling point of Linux, certainly in the data center, is that it is, it is free as in beer. It costs nothing. So let's just uh, uh, take Nadeusen's, uh hypothesis that he put out there earlier and say we're looking uh, down the road a few years and everybody has given up on trying to sell hardware. What happens? And and there's not this is not unprecedented. Google thinks there's no such different no no such thing as an OS anymore. Um, you know, Android uh, and uh, the the Chromebook are both these sort of two things that say let's just put the web in your hands. We don't need an OS anymore. Chris, like Chris was saying, in a few years he thinks there's not going to be a desktop. Um, Apple is is blending their mobile OS and desktop OS uh, closer and closer together with every release of each one. Microsoft says that Windows 8 is both a mobile and a desktop, but there's the RT and the Surface and the and I don't even want to get into that. So they're doing a, a sort of Frankenstein version of one OS to rule them all. But I think that I think everybody agrees with what Chris said is that the OS is not going to be a factor in the future. So where does that leave Linux in X years from now when there's not a price argument? Can Linux still stand up just because it's a good product? And so here's the discussion. So Chris, I'm going to let you lead off. What what are your thoughts, good, bad, or otherwise? Well, like I, well, like I said before, I think what's going to happen is that Linux will, in my, my opinion, uh, a version of Linux, be it um, a super ultra lightweight framework that will connect to a server and feed you the internet. That is what I think is going to be down the road. You know, it may not be Android. It may not be iOS. It may not be Windows Mobile, but it, it'll be some, the, the operating system itself will no longer be a major player. <laughs> it'll be Migo, Seth? <laughs> no. Yes. Migo will die. Die. If, <laughs> if I have to stake it, I will. But, that's what I think is going to happen, and I, I think we're going to end up in the world in this world where bandwidth is no longer an issue, and you can open up your you know Minority Report type phone and be like, oh, I want to see this thing now, and no one cares what the the thing is in your hand or that's sitting on your desk because everything you need to do is up on the up on the cloud, up on the internet. And I I almost hate to say that because I like building rigs, I love building computers. And so the simple fact to say that it's not going to be a factor anymore saddens me. But I think it's it's just like anything else in the world. You don't see anybody building stoves. You don't see anybody really, you know, there are the few gearheads that like to build their classic cars. But 90% of the people out there, they don't care what's under the hood. As long as it gets them from their home to the store or their home to the, the gro- to work or can do their little apps on their phone that's all they care about because they need the they, they want the access to the internet they don't care what the medium is to get there so in in this world where you've created where there is a universal 
information interface? Is it proprietary? Is it free? What is this interface? What, um, how, how does it come to be? Who runs it? Who well, owns it? I think what it'll end up being is similar to the Android market type system where the, the portal itself is free, but everything you want to do outside of the portal costs money. You know, the portal is a base feature, and then if you want the Word documents, you pay somebody for the Word documents. Yeah, but, but somebody's got to support that infrastructure. Who's doing that? Is this a government initiative? The, How does that portal gonna, come to be? I think it's going to be the hardware manufacturers are going to be, like Google Nexus, like we we're talking about earlier, where Nexus is taking, you know, Google takes a hit for the Nexus, and so does Amazon for the, the Fire. What's going to happen is, yeah, you, you have a portal, you're paying for the service out to the internet the portal doesn't cost you a a large sum it, it's it's a minute thing it could even be a jack you know you could jack in like they have in this in cyber f- fantasies it's it's not going to be the medium that the problem that everyone is worried about it's going to be a transparent like a transparent land it's just going to be a transparent thing between you and your infrastructure be it your company that gives you, gives you the the device or whatever. I think it's going to become down to the point where if you want the phone or if you want a computer, you're going to get a screen and that's it. And I think it's going to be the the hardware people that are going to, you know, you're not going to buy a Windows computer anymore. You're going to buy a screen made by NVIDIA. NVIDIA does all the back-end stuff. And you just plug it into the power, plug in your network card or your turn, you know, turn, you know, uh, connect to your your Wi-Fi or 3G or WiMAX or whatever the the current Wi-Fi spec is, and that's going to be how you connect to the internet. So I'm, um, I'm trying to think I, of of a precedent for that in history. Can you give me an example of what what is that analogous to? It's 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 kind of maybe a little bit like the old analog uh, landline phones where Phones were cheap and easy, and you could buy them at Walmart um, for ten bucks. And then you decided where your carrier was. Where initially your carrier yeah. sold you the phone. So is that is that what you're yeah. saying, or is it more like the That's, razor blade model, where you you get they give you a, a, a razor and you buy the blades? I'm I'm trying to to figure out the precedent for what you're saying, how this is going to come to be. I'm thinking it's going to be more like the telephone, where you know, yeah, you're you're paying peanuts for the act the the device that you're connecting with but it's the they're going to get you in the support model they're going to get you like red hat does right now when you buy their os you're you're not paying for the red hat the box you're paying for the support the monthly support fee and so i think it's gonna be the similar thing for for the the, the personal computer i don't think they're gonna have a personal computer anymore it's gonna be a gateway device that Oh, this one broke. I'm gonna go down to the local store and buy a new one, and all my stuff is still gonna be up on the internet on the on that infrastructure. And I just gotta type in my credentials or scan my thumbprint or whatever is the authentication to, to you know give you access to your stuff. So you're seeing it as more like the uh, the electricity in the house. You got ports all over the house, and you can plug anything into it. All you have to do is get somebody to hook your house up to it. So, yeah. but so it's going to be data, yeah, you know, inform whatever entertainment bits. We'll just call it the commodity is bits. So you have a bits yeah. provider, and then various bits receptacles that are just you know so low cost Either. as to be considered free. 
Yeah, and it, it, it'll either be, you know, um, like for example, my my son just got a phone for Christmas or for not for Christmas for his birthday. The phone was peanuts. I mean, I, I think we spent five cents on the thing. And I hope he never listens to this to know how low low ball we got his phone. But it was <laughs> the the phone itself cost almost nothing. Now what he's got on it now is the ability to do everything else. So I think that's the model that the PC, the personal computer is going to get into. There are there, I I, I definitely see people, you know, gr- holding on to their old PC boxes, the old, you know, just like we have classic car owners. There's going to be something similar for them, but I, I have a feeling the major people in the in the world are just going to have a transparent device, be it a, a tablet or a, a cyber jacking or whatever. And that will be how we connect to the internet and how we communicate. What a great visual! So it's a it's a classic instead of a classic car show, it's a classic computer show, and yeah, and a bunch of old guys, us, who are now eighty five years old, we show up with our Alienware all restored to to mint condition. Um, and I had to, you know, I had to rebuild the processor out of spare parts because they don't may, haven't made it in 20 years. And, and we're going to have, <laughs> we're going to have this best in show sort of thing, the, the best original and the, and the best modded. <laughs> what a, what a, yeah. what a depressing idea, frankly. But um, you, I mean, honestly, that's, that's where it seems humankind or at least technology kind. That's how things go. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago with cars, that's what cars were. Now look at them. Yeah. So specifically it's in enough, your scenario, where does Linux fit? I don't think it fits anywhere. I, I don't think any OS will actually be as far as the desktop, so, you do, know, as but, far as in you, your home. So do you think Linux will be the data center? That that's, that's yeah, what it's going to be? Yeah, I think be? it will be. I think it'll be the, the devices that we connect to, you know, because right now, before Android and iOS, did you know what your phones did? I mean, you know, most people wouldn't. They just said they picked up their phone, they dialed the number, and boom, they had their phone. That's what I think the personal computer is going to be like. They're not going to think of it as an operating system. They're going to be like, I just grab my thing and go boop, 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 and I'm, I got my stuff. So those of us who are Linux experts or uh, Linux expert wannabes, um, will be the the high priests of the data center. Um, <laughs> yes, and, and you know, and, and like like the guys today who can still program COBOL and Fortran. You know, we still need them, and we pay handsomely for their services. But but most of us have no idea what that is. So so your command line prowess uh, is going to only be useful to like one of six companies. Uh, and everything will be consolidated into one of those six companies across the world. Is that is that your yeah. vision? Something like that. You know, it's the whole cyberpunk kind of of, of thought process. I think is where I'm going with it. Where you have your your underground networks and your and then you have your primary networks that everyone else lives in. So something similar to that is how I see it. Interesting, fascinating, Seth. What what do you think? What is your vision for for Linux? in a in a free world in a free world i think linux is going to be um the outlaw culture because increasingly 
I, I hate this and I see it. It's like a, a big brother, but a big corporate brother kind of thing. Um, and, you know, you can already kind of see this now where, you know, Microsoft doesn't do some things for Android and iOS. And sometimes you can't sign into your Google stuff because Apple made a tweak. And, you know, of course, um, Android, there will never be an iTunes client for Android. Um, prayerfully um you know you're going to be and you know and there might be and it might not be google apple and microsoft there could be um you know tupperware could release a product that takes over the data center <laughs> my, my money's on I, oracle oracle is going to rise again yeah. and they're going to do it by purchasing miko yeah oh don't don't say that because then i would root for its death so yeah there you go internet world if you want to kill me go get oracle to buy it then i will officially drop my support of it but no so that there will be there won't be one data center kind of thing um that, that you are a repository of there will be several and then for the the tinfoil hat guys they'll have their desktop computers um that they run programs locally and they have their own data and they will be accessing the internet through some onion-like Tor device, and that Linux will be free. Uh, you know, you'll be you'll have your own thing. So, you know, if if you think of the world has a post-apocalyptic wasteland, you have these mega cities that are Microsoft, Google, and Apple, and then you have okay. the people running around out in the desert. Um, uh, that, that your Ubuntu, Debian, Gentoo, and the Mythic Arch that nobody's ever seen, and, and Crunchbang. <laughs> And, and crutch bang oh, awesome. run away at, <laughs> at the mere sight of um unfortunately you know that that's probably what it's gonna be like um you know just people who <laughs> and it's not that they're it's not that they're planning to blow up the world it's just they don't want anybody to know what they're doing because it's none of their freaking business um they're gonna be that's where linux will reign supreme it might be a marginalized section of society but there will always be a personal computing device it might not be a desktop it might be a tablet that isn't hooked into the ubiquitous wi-fi signals or something like that but th there will be be some type of personal computing device segmented away from the vast different intranets of the world. So I want to um, own my bits. I don't want the trans global conglomerate to have my bits. I'm going to store them myself and I'm going to do it on, on Linux and I'm going to have it hardened. I'm going to have SE Linux going so that they can't figure it out because nobody can figure out SE Linux. And so, and, and I'm going to have my own stuff, but here's my question. Will this, this, counterculture this underground the the chuds uh, of the technology world will they be unified under one linux banner or will they still be no. arguing about mirror versus uh x11 there will be more diversity in the linux community with every passing second i think the number of distributions has grown by a factor of 10 since the show started um unfortunately there because people are so worried about other people having their stuff um you know and here's the thing the number of people using linux will increase even if the overall percentage goes down and it will probably get to a point to where everybody runs their um, their own flavor of Linux. Um, and then there will be this informal Linux confederation. 
that uh, runs around seeking to prevent the city-states from overwhelming the world. Um, I guess if, if you were going to try to put a visual on it, you know, th- there'll be this Linux structure that allows them to communicate at some level apart from everybody, but then there will be these little clans uh, running around in the wasteland that only come together um, for mutual defense and support, but they really don't like each other. So Microsoft and Google, they own Thunderdome. They are Master Blaster. And Linux (laughs) is Max, who comes in and and makes a mess and leaves, rolling off an especially designed little raider uh, (laughs) that he controls by the command line. There you go. Basically, yeah. That's fun, too. Yeah, and you know, and like, and you know, this kind of thing. Apple is playing. You know, they their iWork and their iLife suites. They basically took about half the features out and they gave it away for free. So um, there will probably be, they'll probably move the other half of the features to a subscription based web model so they can get perpetual income off of it instead of a one time thing. And so as they move more and more stuff to where if they own your information. They're not going to allow you to have it for one time. They will allow you to access it as long as you pay them on a regular basis. Um, you know, you you call it the subscription model, but it could also very much be a protection racket where, you know, this is yours, but uh, I'll let you come see it every third Tuesday. Um, and you're you're going to you're paying me to keep it safe from everybody else, um, which is I don't know it. I just it would be a pity if something bad should happen to you and we can ensure that 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 bad things don't happen. And if you felt so generous has to reward us for looking out for your interest. Well, you know that we would not be opposed to such an arrangement. Someday you may be in a position to do a favor for me and I (laughs) I will let you know when that time comes. Okay, there you go. So you guys were much more creative than I was about this. So here's here's my thinking. Um, I came up with that off the fly. Come on. <laughs> so so that's the difference. I did think, and you didn't. Uh, so uh, on the desktop, desktop Linux, uh, Apple uh, comes out and says, from here on, iOS uh, or excuse me, uh, Mac OS, Leopard, Tiger, Paw, Liger will be free. And you can run it on any hardware. We're, we're removing that restriction. It's yours. Do what you want. Windows, in response, says, us too. If you are so sadistic as to want to run Windows 8, it's free. Take it. Put it on anything. We're going to take out the UEFI stuff. It's, it's yours. Go to town. Here's what happens to desktop Linux. Nothing. Because everybody who wants Windows or Mac has it already. Price is totally a non-issue. The two percenters of us who are using Linux don't do it because price has anything to do with it. We do it because we want to to be elite or because we want to tinker or because we like uh, this one thing about it or because we like the command line. So it doesn't change at all. Zero change. Okay, so let's take now to the, to the, the data center. Same thing happens. Microsoft yeah. says Windows is now free. Server 2013, free. Take it and run with it. Put it on anything you want. No client access licenses. Done. Linux disappears within six months in the data center. It's gone. You think so? Yes. Because 
Now people have somebody that all important support. Now there's CC, uh, there's MCSEs out there all over the world. You can't throw a rock without hitting an MCSE. Now we can have them support our servers where right now we have to have these few guys, these weird sort of extra tattooed neck beard guys that we have to hire right now. We can hire a dude with a suit and a tie to administer our windows boxes. There aren't any suit and tie guys to do the Linux boxes. We have Earl over there. He's a little odd, but as long as you don't look at him too long and make too much eye contact, he's okay. Um, <laughs> Earl, Earl goes away. Earl's job goes away. Uh, the, the windows guys quickly, uh, come up with a way to, uh, subsume a Linux server and just say, all right, I'm going to suck every data thing here. That's going to, it won't do it as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, web servers will, will instantly be less efficient and less effective. But since when do companies care about efficiency or effectiveness? What they care about is how they can defend it uh, to the, the people up the chain. Corporate guys, you know, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM. Nobody ever got fired for buying Microsoft. Yeah. So your host gators and your, your uh, go daddies and those people in the world who are using Linux right now for cost only, the, the performance benefit is just an ancillary thing. They're going to throw out their Linux servers within six months and go windows and it will be a unified and windows will own the server world completely own it uh within within less than a year linux is now going to drop down to the one or two percenters those same guys who like it on the desktop are going to sneak it into the server and they're going to be running you know nmap on it and they're going to be doing the specialized things that that windows just can't do yet um uh and but it's going to be it's going to drop down instead of 80 percent of the internet runs on on uh, unix or linux it's going to be uh two percent that's that's what i hmm. see when you take price out of the picture i can so see you that see too. my scenario yeah, it's, it's not not exactly the way you said it, but uh, uh, yeah. So it's uh, because there's there are books published on Microsoft, and there's there there are respectable guys. People uh, respect Microsoft engineers. People respect guys with Microsoft certifications. They're just now starting to respect guys with Linux certifications. Um, yeah, and there's no need for that anymore. They don't have to make any more inroads. They go away. Um, mm. and and so that's. That's the way I see it. It'll still be there. It'll still be rock solid. It'll still be guys arguing over which color the wallpaper should be. Um, but <laughs> it, it, the dominance in the in the server room goes away. The dominance in the cloud goes away. Um, I think Android uh, would still be based on the Linux kernel just because Google's already got so much invested in it. But I think that other right. things are going to start would start being based on the Windows 8 kernel. Um, because because theoretically it's one kernel to rule them all, and so you're going to see that's what it would take for Microsoft to win mobile. They yeah. would then iOS and and Android uh, and the dearly beloved Mego would all fall by the wayside <laughs> because of the dominance of of uh, Microsoft in the enterprise. And in fact, I think it could be a huge business boon. To Microsoft because then you know everybody already uses Office now. Well, now right. everybody's going to use Office and you know everything else because now everything is Windows. Um, and I think that you know Microsoft has the the pockets to do that. I think they could do this. They could make this play because mm -hmm. you know if I'm if I'm going to be evil corporate CEO, 
I do that. It's free. It's it's yours to use. We still own it. We're not going to open source it, but it's free. There's no why. Chris, you're not going to care about that. We already we already talked about that. Now you you're running Windows. You you did the the license because you had to because to do your job well to spend your yep. your company's your school's money well you had to do it. So that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Three years. Uh, let's let's go for five years. Microsoft says okay, no more free stuff. Now you start paying. They own freaking everything. They've pushed out Linux. Yeah. They've pushed out Android. They've pushed out Chromebooks. There's nothing else anymore. And now they're in a monopoly again. And it's a mon- it's going to be a monopoly that people chose. They they didn't have to cheat to get there. Yeah. So if I were That's evil, scary. if I were evil Microsoft CEO, I would be drafting this plan today. That's scary. Well, let's hope he just doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, there's no reason for the, the Microsoft CEO to listen to this podcast. So I think we're fine there. Uh, but that's the, you know, and, and frankly, that is a bleaker, darker, more scary scenario than either of the two that you guys put. That's that's scarier than Thunderdome to me. <laughs> no kidding. I, yeah. I'll take mine any day of the week now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, then where does that put us? You know, where does that put us as 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 computer people? You know, where we are the doing repair movie, guys doing movie podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, <laughs> I I think. Um, well, Sorry. Let's let's say the us this show doesn't have any effect on us because we're already talking to the two percenters, so we'll go along just fine. But us as professionals, right? So Seth and Chris, most of your work's already on Windows. You're not going to feel a hitch. Um, you know, even the great command line Godfather makes his living off of Windows. That's so. right, I do. So, but you know, the people that I've moved to Linux, I've never heard from again. So either Linux ate them, or uh, <laughs> it was the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that's that's my bleak, dark scenario of what happens if if Linux if Windows and Mac OS are free, but, but specifically Windows. Um, if Microsoft just unleashes the hounds, um, Linux is destroyed in the server room. Not and again, I want to make be clear. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think performance improves. I don't think uh, efficiency improves. I don't think costs overall improve. I think things get worse. But the corporate mentality has proven time and time again that we're okay with it getting worse as long as we can defend it in the boardroom. So the defense against that would be for the Linux community to consolidate around not one distro, but a few distros and push a support community such as Red Hat uh, and grow things like that where that's what they're doing. They give away the software and they're paying for support. So that would be the defense against your scenario is for widespread adoption of that model and for people to quit getting upset because somebody made a blue background instead of a red background. And why did you do red background? I like maroon. But then what if the login <laughs> screen's not yellow? I wouldn't know what to do. So, yeah. So, in other words, All you're right. saying stop being who they are at their core. And then things will change. If all you people right. could stop being all you people, we wouldn't have any problems. That's right. There you go. <laughs> All right. Any uh, other thoughts? I think that was a fun thought experiment. Is is there anything else that needs was. to be said? 
Well, other than my, no? I think my note, my little points that I put in there were totally blown away because we went totally down the yeah, wrong well, that's true. rabbit hole. <laughs> Who says the notes mean anything, Chris? They're just yeah, no there to, for us to have something to look at. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah, uh, it was all because there was that one comment in the warm up. Um, I didn't yep. carve jack o' lanterns. <laughs> it started there. <laughs> that you morphed the, show. the entire rest of the show. You know, what if a butterfly? It's um, was it the butterfly the chaos effect? Theory. Yeah. We'll call it the uh, we'll call it the jack o' lantern effect in <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> Hulk smash! Nice. Uh, Hulk that would be a great name for show. a show title: the jack o' lantern effect. The jack o' lantern effect. There yeah. you go. And then they'd have to listen to all six hours of the show to know why it's called that. It'd be perfect. <laughs> and then we got them hooked. <laughs> oh, that was fun. I, like you guys said, it went totally in the, the uh, totally different direction than what we expected. It, that, uh, you know, I had notes there too that all just kind of went away, but it was fun. Uh, so, um, you know, thanks, Nadusen. You you started that uh, ball rolling, and then Seth uh, happened to find a couple of articles that we really only sort of blinked at as we went by. <laughs> um, but that was good. That was fun stuff. Um, that was probably one of the best shows we've had in a while. Yes. That was fun. Yeah. All right. And so now, moving on to our tips of the week. Um, Chris, what do you got for us? You know, I'm out of tips, man. I'm 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 dying here i can't think of anything that would really be any pertaining to the show or as in in general because we've pretty much hit all the base tips and a lot of the expanded ones um let me know what everybody else needs if you guys need help learning how to do something in the command line send me questions um i i will run down the rabbit hole and find you answers so uh remember though that these are supposed to be quick and simple ones not how do i recompile a kernel because that would be <laughs> painful to listen to so funny story that happened to me this week it's it's command line but it's not linux um i was working on a corporate computer very locked down and i needed to create a batch file i needed to be able to run a series of commands um so i right clicked in the folder i created new document and i went to save as and and i couldn't save it as a batch file that was that the, the option had been removed uh, so how am I going to create this batch file? Okay, well I'll create it, and I'll uh, you know put a USB drive. It no, this this machine was secured. I couldn't use a USB. I'll email it to myself. Nope, no access to the internet on this machine. So I pulled out CopyCon. Whoa! <laughs> so I pulled up the command line, said CopyCon space the name of the file dot bat, and typed in the commands I needed, and I made it my. Uh, very own yes i made it my very own so using that's awesome i i drew on my 1978 circa windows skills my ms dos 2.1 and i copy conned that bad boy <laughs> see even the command line can be mastered even in a lockdown environment i once saw a funny uh a funny t-shirt that said real programmers use copy con program.exe <laughs> There you go. Okay, Seth. Yeah. What have you got much. for us this week? Does it have to do well, with Mark, jack-o'-lanterns? Well, I have a question for you. Okay. Who doesn't want bacon shipped to them? Vegans. A vegetarian. At, 
That's a trick question because everybody wants this. So Muslims. Okay. Even vegetarians love the smell of bacon. I mean, come on. There's nobody who doesn't love the smell of bacon. Um, baconfreak.com that is an actual website slash bacon dash of dash the dash month dash clubs dot html christmas (laughs) presents there you go bacon of the month club and there's several different options you have here bacon of the month club people wow bacon (laughs) of the month club that's really all I need to say about that. <laughs> I that am trumps. tricking myself. I own so many domains, but none of them are baconfreak.com. How silly of me not to have registered baconfreak.com. That is and, and other awesome. things are bacon jerky, bacon beverages, <laughs> bacon pancakes, stuff you can find <laughs> at other bacon, you know, bacon salt kind of stuff. Um, but come on, bacon of the month club. Yeah. I like it. They need to be sponsoring our show, Mark. We need to get on. I that. need to I need to work on that. Definitely. <laughs> Gluten-free bacon. I wasn't aware there was a lot of gluten in uh, gluten and pork fat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the seasoning. They 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 used less seasoning, so now it's gluten-free. I, I don't know. There's a no nitrate version. You know what you get when you put make bacon without nitrates? You get ham. That's what you get. <laughs> bacon of the month club people that's it's quite possibly the most awesome thing i have ever seen in my life see seth that's Um, the moment you just say bacon of the month club you drop the mic and you walk away that's it yep (laughs) you just you just drop the mic and walk off stage bacon of the month club yeah i would have to like push my chair back and stand (laughs) up and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't be able to look at the picture on the screen if I walked away. So I'm torn. Um, it's like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Break the wrist and walk away. Just snap the go. wrist and walk away. Bow to you, Sensei. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's it. That's our show, people. And if you like this show and you want to hear more, more of it, God bless you. Uh, let us know at uh, elementop.com. Hop over there, click on the Contact Us button. Go to the forum. We got we got two forums that we could come to play uh, bear in this show. We got the Bacon Forum, and we've got the uh, um, Bad the movie, movie Forum. forum. I need to start a yep. coffee forum, so they will have forums for all three of them. Uh, so hop over there and do that. Also, um, if you want to be on the show in a very real way, you can leave us a voicemail using the the widget at the top of the page, or just pick up a phone. You know those things. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt my own spiel here. I told you that I rommed my phone this week, right? So I, I thought as long yeah. as I'm doing it, as long as I'm gonna have to do that anyway. Let me let me go with a like a jelly bean rom. Let me upgrade the the version of of uh, Android that I have. Uh, so I went with a, a Cyanogen Mod uh, Ten jelly bean rom, and three days I ran with this until I realized I couldn't make phone calls. <laughs> three. It took me three days to notice that. <laughs> I was browsing the web, I was downloading my apps, I was customizing things, I was listening to podcasts, I was viewing media, I was having a heck of a time with Google Now, saying, okay, Google, and making stuff happen. Three days later, huh, the phone dialer doesn't work. (laughs) You know what you should have done then? Google Voice. 
Uh, well, the, maybe that's uh, so. I, what I ended up, I had to go ended up going back to uh, uh, ice cream sandwich because I, I started doing the forums and they were like, yeah, that's a known bug. And the last posting I found it was like in March. You know, watch here for updates. And it, it occurred to me this cyanogen mod team are like me; they don't use their phones for phones, so it's not a big deal for them. Oh yeah, the, we know the phone doesn't work. Um. And it's not it's, it's not all Sanogen. It was just on my particular model. The problem is the volume was so low you could not hear it. And so you go to the uh, bug the bug tracker, and there's solutions like, well, just plug in uh, a headset. Okay, that's not a valid solution to the problem. That's that's not how you fix a bug. You don't go buy hardware uh, to fix a bug. So anyway, I had to go back, but I had to say. Three days. Steve Jobs would disagree with you about that. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you <laughs> fix the death the death grip on the iPhone right. was uh, to get a hardware case. It took me a full three days to realize I couldn't make a phone call. So that's make a phone call. Use that phone to actually make a phone call to five five nine I am Opie, and you can leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the show. Uh, we love having you here. We love the uh, the feedback. Uh, keep it coming, um, and. Uh, and also, if you want to do us a favor, if you want to use the tip jar up there and throw some cash our way, that would be awesome. Uh, or if you want to do something that doesn't cost you a dime when you're doing your shopping this uh, year on Amazon, uh, because we know you do, you're geeks, and that's what you do, uh, go to elementopi.com slash Amazon. That takes you to the Amazon page. You see no difference in your experience. We make a few bucks off of it. So that would be an awesome thing for you to do. And uh other than that, spread the word. Go to iTunes, like and review us. I know, I know what I just asked you to do. I'm aware of the the burden that I just placed on you, but pseudo, go and do it now. And uh, most of all, thanks for listening and keep listening. And uh, so I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. Everyday Linux.